Good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean, good music? It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to. And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home. Did you have a band? Good or bad? It's a great band, it's a bad band, it's like pizza, baby. It's good no matter what, there's music in the air. Whether you've got a musical allergy, an addiction, or you're just stuck in a rut, don't fear. You can always call the Rock Doctors. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Koch of the Chicago Tribune. Stay tuned to listen to our next Rock Doctors appointment. Plus, Jim and I review the solo debut by Jack White. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. Virgil Kane is a man. Greg, we've got some more sad news in the music community that we have to talk about. The voice on that song, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, is, of course, Levon Helm of the band. He died at the age of 71 of cancer. A self-effacing man who, in many ways, I think epitomized American music. He was born in Elaine, Arkansas. He grew up listening to bluegrass, Delta blues, country, and the earliest rock and roll. We forget that he started playing with Ronnie Hawkins, the fellow Arkansas-born rockabilly singer, playing the drums, backing up this musician. They had a minor hit with a song called Mary Lou, appeared on Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Then they went up to Canada, and they met a bunch of Canadian musicians, Robbie Robertson, Richard Manuel, Rick Danko, Garth Hudson, and they became the Hawks, backing up Ronnie Hawkins. But he was a bit of a taskmaster. So the Hawks decided they were going to go off on their own led by their American drummer. A lot of respect for this drummer who also could sing, would occasionally take the mic in this group, very talented band, where you had several singers and several songwriters. We know what happened, of course. They linked up with Bob Dylan and became the band. And Levon Helm was at the drums for much of Dylan's best work. I don't think it's an unfair comparison to say that Levon Helm was very much like Charlie Watts or Ringo Starr, the drummers for the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. And I'll tell you why in two ways. His drumming style was very, very simple, but it always gave the song exactly what it needed. Number two, I think his personality as such a gregarious, wonderful fellow really kept together the giant egos like Robbie Robertson and the other guys in the band, the same way that Ringo did with the Beatles or Charlie did with the Stones. Drugs, egos, pulled the band apart, 
Levon would go on through the years to play with the band members, the other band members, except for Robbie Robertson, many times. He also became a very good actor. I think he steals the show in The Right Stuff and Coal Miner's Daughter. First began his battle with throat cancer in the late 90s. He came out of that, though, with his voice intact and a lot of medical bills. Began doing this thing in upstate Woodstock, where he lived, called the Midnight Ramble. Every weekend, a big house party jam session where everyone was welcome and great music from around the world, as well as folks from down the road, would come and play with Levon. I think it was a heck of a coda to an extraordinary career, and I think that's the way we have to remember Levon Helm with his musical spirit. Oh, his musical spirit was so rich, Jim. I think he was one of the great multitaskers in the business. I mean, a singing drummer. Think, first of all, how rare that is and how well he did both of those tasks simultaneously. You know, songs like The Wait, Up on Cripple Creek, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, those vocals were at the center of those songs, and so was the drumming. But for me, the track that really epitomizes the greatness of LeVon Helm is their cover of a Marvin Gaye song, originally known as Baby Don't You Do It, uh, later known by the band as simply Don't Do It. The version I'm going to play is from their 1972 Rock of Ages album, and you can hear those streams of American music pouring through this particular song. They're taking this Motown hit, remember, from 1964 and doing their own version of it. And, and LeVon is taking that New Orleans horn section that southern soul sound from Memphis that he so deeply loved and pouring it into his vocals and his drumming. The intensity of the vocal performance and the syncopated drumming beneath it is really extraordinary. It's Don't Do It from the band on Sound Opinions. That is Levon Helm with Don't Do It, a 1972 recording. He is now dead at the age of 71. Pressure. 
You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for a segment that we do occasionally on this show, which is called The Rock Doctors. Jim and I are slipping on the lab coats as we speak. It's basically a segment where people call us up and say, I've got an ailment of a musical nature. Doc, please help me out. So the idea is that Jim and I will give them a prescription of some music that they can listen to that will help you get over the ailment. You're absolutely right, Dr. Cotton. I've been thinking about this. We're on radio, thankfully, not television. But if we were TV doctors, I think I'd be Dr. House. You know, And I, and I guess you'd be like George Clooney on ER from back when, remember? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm just being kind to you today. All right, before we get to our main consultation of the week, we actually have to run over to the emergency room because we've got a patient in need of help and quick. This is a pressing problem. Anne is from Philadelphia. And welcome to Sound Opinions. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. All right. So tell us why you are coming to the Rock Doctors. Well, I contacted you guys because I am getting married on uh, May 19th, and I have been racking my brain trying to figure out the perfect song for my uh, father-daughter dance. This is only Um, weeks away. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I still haven't thought of a song. Okay. My father has very, um, I guess, pretty specific musical taste, and I'm pretty open. I definitely don't know nearly as as much about music as he does. And my brother got married about a year ago. My sister got married about six years ago. And, you know, he had some pretty interesting choices um, for them. So I'm sort of trying to find the right fit and the appropriate fit for my wedding. I'm getting the sense that there's a story behind that little nervous laugh about (laughs) interesting choices for your brother and sister. Yeah, I mean, for my sister's wedding, everything was great. Um, My sister danced to You Send Me, and then during his wedding speech, he sang a wedding song by Harry Belafonte. Then just about a year ago, my brother got married, and things got a little bit trickier. Um, (laughs) And... um, during his wedding speech, he chose a old Lead Belly song. You know, obviously a musician I respect, but the lyrics were a little dicey. And it's a shame to take a drink on a Sunday. And it is a shame, now who said that? And it's a shame to take a drink on a Sunday. And it is a shame, what well, a good time. And it's a shame to take a drink on a Sunday. When you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it is a shame. Ain't it a shame to beat your wife on a Sunday? Ain't it a shame? Oh, oh, look out now. Ain't it a shame to beat your wife on a Sunday? Ain't it a shame? No, you better not hit her. Ain't it a shame to beat your wife on a Sunday? When you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Ain't it a shame? Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's probably... I could see where you might consider that slightly inappropriate for a wedding uh, circumstance. So now you have got a dilemma here. You've got to figure out a way to pick a song that your father's going to dig, but at the same time, kids have yeah. got to like it. It's got to appeal to all comers, right? Yeah, and again, I respect my father's musical opinion, and I understand where he was coming from. He made a you know a joke of it sort of at the end, you know. But, um, you know, I think I'm looking for something a little bit more palatable to more people. <laughs> well, well, Anne, I, I would like to remind you, you are our patient, not Dad and not anybody else. That's this, this is your wedding. <laughs> you know, I think you should like the music. And we should ask Anne, what kind of music would you like to hear at your wedding? Um, well, I guess I don't mind something that's sentimental. I don't like sappy stuff necessarily. You can definitely go overboard in that direction. Me and my fiancé, we really love listening to records at home. 
And um, we listen to a lot of Rolling Stones. We love Queen. We love um, The Clash. He likes a lot of folk music as well. How about your dad? What's he into? He loves a lot of just classical music. And then Woody Guthrie. He loves Lead Belly. He loves a lot of old R&B, a lot of old jazz, a lot of old uh, Muddy Waters he loves also. And you're willing to go there with some of that stuff? Is it Absolutely. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, great. I think I'd enjoy it. All right, Jim, do we want to write some prescriptions right now? Are we ready to do this? Well, yes, that's Dr. DeRogatis okay. to you. Please. Yes, doctor. <laughs> I think, Dr. Cott, you should, you should go first. All right, so I've been giving this some thought. We don't want to go obvious because that would clearly offend your father to some degree. <laughs> I think something really obvious. Well, it offends us, too. How many weddings have you been to with a lousy father-daughter song? And I am picking a song that, that skirts the edge of that because it's a fairly popular or famous song. But the version I'm picking, I think, is what's unique about it, and I think uh, it might work. The song I want you to play, or I want you to consider playing, is The Way You Look Tonight. That's from the movie Swing Time in 36. Fred Astaire sang it in that movie. He won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Lovely, never, never change. Keep that breathless charm. Oh, won't you please arrange it? Cause I love you Just the way you look tonight The music was written by Jerome Kern, one of the great songwriters of all time. Lyrics by Dorothy Fields. Bing Crosby sang it in the 30s. Billie Holiday sang it in the 30s. Subsequent versions, Tony Bennett, Peggy Lee, Sinatra's done it. The Coolest Man on the Planet, Brian Ferry, did a cover of it Uh. at one point. But the version I want you to consider is a doo-wop version of the song from 1956 by a group called the Jaguars. Someday When I'm off below When the world is cold I will feel a glow Just thinking of you And the way you look tonight It's a beautiful song, it's a ballad, it's great for slow dancing There's a piano part on it that has some hints that I think echo Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. And, you know, I'm a piano geek, so I, I kind of am into that sort of sound, but I think it's some of the most beautiful chords ever put together. And the way this doo-wop group, uh, the Jaguar, sang it in 56, I think it's a beautiful sentiment. It's, it's basically saying this is a great moment that we will never forget. I got, I think, a better one for you, and I'm thinking your dad is a bit of a showboat. 
You know, singing Harry Belafonte at the wedding, wanting to sing it all at, at a wedding. I'm thinking, I'm thinking dad is moved by this incredible moment of you getting married. That the bravado and the hamminess and the humor is, is to cover up the fact of, of how he really feels. I'm going to go to a song by a great musician, a great father, and somebody who I think is very much in your dad's wheelhouse, Loudon Wainwright III. Most people think of this folk troubadour from Dead Skunk, you know, a funny, silly song. But Loudon Wainwright has some 20 albums of incredible material. He's uh, Rufus Wainwright's dad, Martha Wainwright's dad, and has an incredible tune called simply Daughter. Everything she sees, she says she wants. Everything she wants, I see she gets. That's my daughter in the water. Everything she owns, I bought her. Everything she owns. That's my daughter in the water. Everything she knows, I taught her. Everything she knows. This had a revival a few years ago because it appeared in the movie Knocked Up. Daughter is a song where, in comic terms at first, Dad begins talking about how he would do anything for this girl that he loves, his daughter. And and it becomes less comic as the song progresses. And you realize that the man is, is actually hiding his emotion, and all of this is true. And I think maybe... This will get closer to where your dad really feels, and uh, maybe you'll make him cry instead of the other way around. That sounds great. That's my daughter in the water. I lost every time I fought her. Yeah, I lost every time. Hey, whatever you play, and we wish you a great wedding and a great life with your new husband. And I hope your dad comes out of this uh, smiling with pride, whatever you play. Thank you so much, guys. I feel so relieved and excited <laughs> to dance to this song. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Greg, we've got another set of patients in the Rock Doctor's waiting room, and we'll meet them after a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later in the show, Jack White goes solo. I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, son, you look older than me, and I'm 71. You're falling apart, you're not living right. I went to the doctor and the doctor said loud You got to stop hanging out with that old in crowd Living's a battle and you're losing the fight I went to the doctor and the doctor said Boy, your body is a temple, it's not a toy Fill up this here paper cup and give it to the nurse Don't spill it now I went to the doctor Doctor said, friend This should be the middle but it could be the end You better get better else you're gonna get worse oh. <laughs> 
was a woman in Georgia, didn't feel just right. She had fever all day and chill the night. Now things got worse, yes, a serious bind. In times like this, it takes a man with a style like getting out of a vine. A doctor of the heart and a doctor of the mind. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, but today you can call us Dr. Cott and Dr. DeRogatis. That's right, Greg. Every so often, we like to take on the role of rock doctor to help some people in our listening audience with their musical aches and pains. Sometimes it's an allergy or an aversion to a specific kind of music. Sometimes it's an addiction to an artist or band. And sometimes it's just about getting a dose of something new. We have two patients up next, Doug and Susan. He's a Presbyterian minister. She's an educator. And they live with their three kids in Louisville, North Carolina. Doug uh, called us up explaining that he and Susan have been married for 18 years and that Susan is stuck in a, I quote, classic rock hell and 70s rock purgatory, a dangerous condition to be sure. Right, Dr. Cott? No doubt about that, Jim. Doug goes on to explain that Susan still favors the FM hits from her past from people like Little Feet, ACDC, Jimmy Buffett, and this is just killing him because he still keeps up with music today. So we've got to help both of them. Susan's graciously agreed to accept some treatment, and we've got them both on the line right now. Doug and Susan, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hello. Hi there. Great to have you here, a married couple, happily married otherwise. But, Doug, uh, there is a reason you contacted the Rock Doctors. Tell us why. Well, my background is in music. Before I became an ordained minister, I was working in a punk rock record shop, did some rock journalism, played in a band, But it just seemed to me, after being married for 18 years and my music being underappreciated, I really wanted her to latch onto maybe some new bands or something new that she could have a passion about, maybe something we could share together. All right, before we dig into this music, Susan, tell us a little bit more about you and Doug. Well, I think the the really important thing to know is it is a really happy marriage in spite of the fact that I will often look at Doug and roll my eyes and sigh and say, you know, you and I have absolutely nothing in common. And it's kind of gotten to be a standing joke where along with music, we don't like the same television shows. He likes nonfiction and I like fiction. He's always hot and I'm always cold. I mean, it's just the most bizarre, bizarre series of, of kind of were the antithesis of one another. Now, how did you meet? What was your first? I mean, how did you guys ever, you know, these two completely different people come together? Well, interestingly enough, we met, we were introduced through a bunch of mutual church friends as being people who had some shared past experiences. But here's, here's when I knew we were in trouble musically. On one of our very first dates, and I knew he was musical, I knew that he was really passionate about music, and I knew that he really liked The Grateful Dead. And it so happened that on the night of that one of our very first dates, The Grateful Dead were playing in Pittsburgh, where we were living. So we got in my car, and I said, oh, in honor of The Grateful Dead being here, I've brought a tape I know you'll like because it's Grateful Dead. And I put the tape in the CD player. And it was the, the one from the early 90s. And he looked at me and in this, <laughs> this tone just dripping with sarcasm said, oh, I do not like that. That is not the good Grateful Dead. I don't like the new stuff. It is classic Grateful Dead we have to listen to. It's well, Touch of Grey, the one album that, yes, that even deadheads disavow. All right.
Jim and Greg, you have to understand, I saw The Dead with the New Riders of the Purple Sage with Garcia, and then I saw The Dead with the Godshots. So I saw them in their classic, wonderful period. Yeah, but you know what? I couldn't have seen them then because I was in like fourth grade. So, <laughs> you know, we got a problem. Yeah. Oh, oh. So, Doug, it sounds uh, like you're, you're hardcore into classic sounds, classic music, with a little bit of an underground vibe. I mean, describe some bands that you're really, really into. Oh, well, I actually have a pretty broad taste. Um, I was looking at some of the stuff that's on my iPhone. And so the last Las Vegas, uh, Joy Formidable, I like NRBQ a lot, John Wesley Harding, The Waterboys, Keb Moe. Um, but I kind of go for jangly pop, that Scottish pop stuff from the Bluebells on. Hmm. I'm a sucker for that. Is there a unifying theme here or a thread that you're looking for when, when you choose a band to follow? Melody, lyrics, rhythm, oh, what's will going tell on? You, I couldn't repeat a lyric to save my life, even the songs I've, I've written myself. It's got to have a good guitar. It's got to have a hook. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little Phil Spector-esque would also be helpful. Mm-hmm. A little bit more elaborate production, a little bit bigger production? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Oh, and see, that's really funny because... I would actually disagree with that and say that one of the things I, I sometimes dislike about the music that Doug really likes is I find it to be incredibly simplistic and repetitive. <laughs> um, it's got, a, tends to have a heavy beat, not in the heavy metal rock sense kind of a beat, but that kind of that 1950s rock and roll kind of a beat, and it's, it's, it almost sounds tinny. It doesn't seem to have a lot of elaborate layers of production. But he and I have joked for a long time, I call his music trash can lid because of the sort of tinny, repetitive, clashing noise that I perceive in it. Either that or for a long time he was going through like an Indigo Girls, that kind of thing phase, and I would say, oh, Lord, it's another one of your whiny broads. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wow, you're tough, I Susan. I know, I know. What can I, I say? I but... think Amy Ray would disagree with that, but okay. Now, on your medical chart here, Susan, Doug has described your taste as being in a classic rock rut. Do you agree with that? Kind of. That probably is the easiest to define. I should probably state for the record that we're about 10 years apart. So his idea of classic rock and my idea of classic rock are a little bit different. Um, you know, I'm a child of the, of the late 70s. I graduated in late 70s, and then so I was listening to music actively in the late 70s and early 80s, which, you know, the big 80s are kind of my era, much to my chagrin. Mm. But, but I had this really eclectic taste. I was looking at my iPhone. I've got this group called the Medieval Babes on there, which is just kind of fun, bizarre, off the wall. Stuff. I love them. I, That's great stuff. Yeah. I've got Avid Brothers that my 16, 17-year-old daughter said, oh, they're my favorite mom. you got to have them on your iPhone. you got to listen to them so I can play them in the car. So they're on there. I also love things like ACDC because I love the song they do with the bagpipe part in the middle. <laughs> it's this really kind of odd mix of stuff I listen to, along with the typical stuff you would expect from the late 70s, early 80s. What's the thing you're listening to the most when you decide whether or not you like a song? 
Well, in my case, um, the thing that I'm a sucker for unusual, that's like the medieval babes, that notion that you're going to take this music that's so antiquated and make it somehow contemporary and fresh and new. But if I look at the things that are most consistent on my hit parade, so to speak, it would be those things that I can hear the lyrics, tell a story. Songs for me are really powerful emotionally, not so much for the musicality of them, which I think is what resonates with Doug, but for the lyrics and the fact I can hear something and it puts me into a particular place in my head. So you want some new stuff that you can both agree on. I mean, that's basically the crux of the issue here, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think, exactly. I think, Dr. Cott, that there's so much history here mm. and so much back and forth. I think we just have to, uh, I'll, try to bother, <laughs> I'll try to borrow a page from, from the minister's preaching here, right? <laughs> Reverend Uh-oh. Doug, right? Why don't you just close the old book and open a new book and move forward and start listening to some new tunes together? And Susan, don't you be so judgmental right off the bat. And Doug, you know, don't dig your heels in. Give her a chance and then listen to her opinion. <laughs> you know? And if you dislike it, move on to the next band, you know? That's fair, because I will admit that I'm stuck, but I think what I said to him the other day, I will admit that perhaps I'm stuck and I'm resistant, but you have to admit that you're a snob. Hmm. <laughs> oh. You are a musical snob. Okay, okay. Yeah, he'll look at me and he'll say, well, of course you like that. It's so plebeian. <laughs> are she, we... did, she did say she was Stones and he was Beatles, and you know that. <laughs> yeah. We know who the bad girl there, is in this relationship. There, you know, we, exactly. Absolutely. There's going to be push and shoving all the way through, but uh, Dr. DeRogatis, you ready to prescribe something? I am. I am. And Susan, I seized upon the info in your chart and what you said earlier about hating trash can music, and that <laughs> triggered me to steer you towards a band that actually had a song called Trash Can in which the major <laughs> instrument was a trash can. Now, okay. I, don't, I don't want you to have, uh, you know, prejudgment, okay? This is a band I think you'll really like. You said that, you know, lyrical substance and melody are important to you. You also said neither of you guys agree on any TV show ever, right? Th- did one of you like Friday Night Lights? No. All right. Those of us who love that show was a very emotional show. And for the very last scene of the very last show of the very last season— they chose this band to provide the soundtrack. And I think that that indicates something about this band's music. It it has an emotional quality, and the lyrics tend towards a sort of non-denominational spirituality, sort of questioning existence. It's great jangly guitar stuff that I think will appeal to Doug, and yet I think that there's some things there that you like. Uh, It's called Delta Spirit. They're a young quartet from San Diego. Uh, They have a self-titled album came out this year. We'll send that out to you. You can listen to it, and uh, you tell us what you think after a week of taking this prescription. Sounds sounds good. All right. Well, I'm game. We'll give it a try. All right, Dr. Cott. All right. I'm going to prescribe a uh, band out of Texas, originally out of Ohio, Heartless Bastards. The new album is called Arrow. It's their fourth studio album. As I said, they're originally out of uh, Cincinnati. At least the lead singer, Erica Winterstrom, is. And what I like about this band, A, is Erica Winterstrom's blow-your-doors-off voice. I think that's the most arresting part of the band. Now, Doug, I honed in on a couple of things you said. You like a good hook. You like good guitars. This band has both. If anything was lacking in their previous albums, it was the lack of really strong melodies. I think they've really picked up the quotient on their fourth album, Arrow. I think you're going to love that. Susan, you mentioned that you like these late 70s, early 80s sounds, Mm -hmm. and you like bands that sort of update that vibe. And I think this is the perfect band for you because Erica Wennerstrom is doing kind of the same thing. She talks about some of her influences, uh, groups like T-Rex, Thin Lizzy. Curtis Mayfield. She was a child of the same 
uh, area cool. that you're into, and she's updating those sounds on some of these songs. So I think you might even be able to, using your acumen as a, a listener from that era, you might be able to pick up some of those references. So Heartless Bastards with Arrow, I'm going to give you that as a prescription. Live with this album for a week. Live with Delta Spirit for a week. And then we're going to talk to you and find out how much you like these records. Yeah, Sounds good. We'll give it a try. And either way, no fighting, guys, please. <laughs> It's okay. Doug and Susan, you've got your work cut out for you. We'll talk to you in a week. All right. We'll let you know how it goes. Thanks so much. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and we're in the middle of a rock doctor's session. Jim, let's get our patients back on the line. Hello, Doug, Susan, are you guys there? We are indeed. Well, it's Doctors Cot and D. Regattas. It's a... It's Hello, a week doctor. later. We wanted to check back with both of you on how uh, you fared with our prescriptions. I had uh, suggested you guys might enjoy Delta Spirit, that young band from California that uh, plays trash can lids but also makes a lot of other beautiful music. What did you think? Well, I really liked it. I was pleased that it was a band I hadn't heard of because I tend to think that I've heard just about everything. Of course, that's crazy. But um, I really liked it, and, and lots of things going on. You mentioned possible spiritual themes, and I didn't pick that up until I went back and checked out the lyrics to all their songs, and there's all kinds of these veiled references to biblical characters mm-hmm. and images. Be like a rug, ash down in club, when it's all from my bed man. There's a bit of a Strokes 4-4 uh, going on, which my wife will tell you drove her a little nutty. But in terms of everything else about the music, you know, I hate to use the word anthemic, but it was uplifting in many parts. Although some of the themes were dark, so I was very surprised, and I, and I liked it. I went back and checked out some of their other videos, and I checked out the trash can video because... Mm. I really like that. That guy, he can really sing. Matt Vasquez. Right. We, you know, we don't often share this, the patented Sound Opinions rating scale, but on the Buy It, Burn It, Trash, it sounds like a buy it for you. It is a 
by it. And Susan and I discussed the, these two uh-huh. uh, recordings before uh, this morning. And I said, yep, Delta Spirit is a buy it for me. Okay. Now, Susan, what was your take on Delta Spirit? Well, first of all, I'm going to preface my, my reply by saying Doug listened to them in advance. So he had already been through them. And then we were driving around in the cars. And so we decided, well, we'll listen to them. His second through, my first time through, we'll listen to them together. So we had great fun playing them with both of us in the car and able to talk about them as he put them on. Hmm. So he put the first band on and didn't tell me which one it was. And it was probably about, I don't know, 15.7 seconds into it. And I <laughs> thought, this is the one they picked for Doug. Plantain gems in the concrete I paved One every couple of each They got mixed up in the lime and the sand Nobody So 15.7 seconds, I was thinking, okay, let's move to the next song and see if I like it any better. Um, (laughs) I don't think that's following your doctor's regimen with a whole heart. Yeah, I kept thinking, okay, I think they picked this for Doug, so let me see. I understand why they picked it for him. Let's see if we can have a compromise. Um, and, And it just... It sounded just like what Doug would like. Now, now, what does this sounds like something Doug would like mean? <laughs> I was trying to explain this to him this morning, and I said, you know, if you imagine sort of like this XY axis, okay, with X being the horizontal plane, there's there's like the stuff he likes is in this range that goes plus or minus 10, but it never really goes above that. So there's sort of like this sameness mid-range where there's a little variation, but it doesn't really go much higher or lower than that mid-range. And I was trying to figure out a better way to explain that to him, but that's kind of where I am. It's just all so, so very there. All right. I don't know. Maybe Dr. Cott. Yeah, we were really worried, Susan. We we knew you were the one we had to please when we made these selections. I know. And I am a problem. I am a problem, child. I (laughs) I own that. You're tough. You're tough is what you Mm -hmm. are. Let's go to my prescription. It was Heartless Bastards, Arrow. Doug, uh, what was your thoughts on that? Well, the cover, first off, tipped me off to something. I'm seeing a buffalo, an arrow. I'm thinking Buffalo Springfield. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sort of this 60s thing. I have to tell you that first opening cut, six minutes long, I thought, oh, I'm never going to get through this record. Staring out at the skyline A marathon is going down the street but everything thereafter, I really liked musically. I heard James Gang, Kinks, Led Zeppelin. I heard T-Rex. I heard all these musical references. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, what I didn't like was the way she sang. She sang, like, in the back of her throat instead of front, from her diaphragm. And apart from that, I actually kind of like this one, although I have to say it would be a burn it on the scale. And oh, whenever you feel 
Well, it's interesting because most people, if they love the band, it's Erica Wennerstrom's voice that they really dig. Yeah. But it sounds like you liked everything about the band except her voice. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow, interesting. Yeah. What about you, Susan? I liked this flavor better. I liked where it was going, and I liked the flashbacks in there. I liked the influences. It just, you know, it smacked of all the kinds of stuff that I do like, and it was really interesting to hear it. But what I kept hearing was I kept waiting for her to really belt something out, and she mm -hmm. never did. It never, the entire album the whole way through is such a wonderful throwback, but it never got for me to that level of intensity I kept looking for. I, was, I would get halfway through a song and I'd go, okay, okay, it's building, it's building, and then it would never go any further. <laughs> You know, it's, it's interesting to hear you guys say that because my thoughts would be exactly the opposite on her vocal approach and style. So it's interesting to hear a contradictory opinion. Maybe I've been sort of taken in by the fact that I've seen this band live a bunch of times. Yeah. You know, maybe that quality comes through a little more strongly. And I would be interested to see them live. Uh, if they came to the area, yeah, I'd definitely check them out because right. I hear the potential for a really loud, fun band. It sounds like we made a little progress. At least Doug seems to be in the in the ballpark with us. Susan, we're just gonna I'm I'm gonna spend the next year thinking about you and what kind of music we can prescribe that is gonna get you on the same page with Doug. Well, I want to say that the experience was actually pretty cool. Susan yeah, referenced that at the beginning <laughs> that we for the first time sat down and listened to records together. I can't even tell you how long, and just listening to it and talking about it and then talking about the music that we both love so much, that was the cool experience. So I'm actually yeah. thinking you need to go into marital counseling, not into the, the <laughs> doctor's <laughs> All right. Well, Doug and Susan, it's been a pleasure meeting you both and having you take our prescriptions. Thanks for coming on Sound Opinions. Well, thank Thanks for trying to help. We appreciate it. <laughs> That boy needs therapy. That boy needs therapy. If you want to make your own appointment with the Rock Doctors or nominate someone you think is in need of urgent assistance, fill out a patient form at soundopinions.org. And to make a comment on the show, call 888-859-1800. Jim and I are going to be back with a review of the new Jack White solo album. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And he also made false teeth. Business continues below. Did I ever tell you the story about the cowboys and bitch bitches and the Indians and what frontier of Life felt strangely hypnotized. I was in another world, the world of 20, 
man with a golden eyeball. And tighten your buttocks. Or juice on your chin. I promised my girlfriend I could put the violin, violin, violin. back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott, and that is a song called 16 Salt Teens from the new album, the first solo album by Jack White. It's called Blunderbuss. I love that name, Greg. You know what it is? It's an ancient firearm. Yeah. Jack, a fan of antiques and antiquity, of course, goes with a title like that. For 15 years, he has been one of the most significant people on the rock scene. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Six albums with his band, The White Stripes. Two each with two other bands, The Dead Weather and The Raconteurs. He really started out in 1996 after drumming for a while with a band in the Detroit area, putting together this notion of a duo band called the White Stripes. He had met a bartender named Meg White, and they married. They were only married for four years, 96 to 2000. He took her surname. Mm-hmm. He became Jack White. The White Stripes broke through and really started along with the Strokes, that big garage explosion of the early 90s, became one of the few bands of their era to be able to make it up to the big, big theater and arena level. And then in 2011, they called it quits. Since then, he's been active in many ways. He always was, all throughout the band. He's produced other artists, notably Loretta Lynn and Wanda Jackson. He has started a record label, Third Man Records, based in Nashville, where he runs a recording studio. He was going to record the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan at the recording studio. The artist did not show up. Jack began this solo album almost by chance is the story. Now you got to remember, this is a man who said that his wife was his sister and who who tells a lot of lies, understands <laughs> that myth-making is part of rock and roll. He's apparently very good friends now with Dylan, another artist who did the same thing. Whether that story is true or not, we now have this album, his first album released under his nom de rock Jack White as his own. Even though there are two bands that he put together to play this record, and as they go out on tour, he's going to alternate. One of these bands is going to play every night, and they're not allowed ever to hear each other because he wants two different versions on tour of his music. Let's play a song from this new album, Blunderbuss. This is a tune called Hip Eponymous Poor Boy by Jack White on Sound Opinions. I get into the game, but it's always the same. I'm the man with the name. Hit the bottom, oh boy, oh boy. Call me whatever you may. Yeah, I ain't stopping the train. I got a bill for the pain. Hit the bottom, oh boy, oh boy. And I know that I can't defeat you. Yeah, but you don't worry now. I ain't going to preach to you. 
Eponymous Poor Boy from Jack White's solo debut, Blunderbuss. Jim, you mentioned that a Blunderbuss earlier was an antique gun. Well, it, it fires scattershot, right? It's all over the place. Yeah. And I think this album, musically, is uh, Jack White's coming out party to a degree, because I think in all of his previous projects, he's sort of been a little boxed in in terms of what he's trying to accomplish. Now he's basically got a chance to do anything he wants, and he's all over the map on this record. I think a lot of people who were expecting a heavy guitar record are going to be a little disappointed once they get beyond 16 Saltines, the first single. There's a lot of country flavors on this record. There's a lot of piano. There's a lot of stringed instruments. And within these songs, a sort of a multi-part quality. I mean, you know, in another world, this might be a progressive rock album, except, <laughs> except it's done with acoustic instruments. And I really like that. He's really pushing his boundaries as a musician. The other thing I love about this record is it sort of tells a story. I think for me, the key track there is that cover of that old Little Willie John mm. track, I'm Shaken, where he references Samson and Delilah. He's basically saying, love is going to shear off your hair chain you to a post and bring the walls collapsing down around you in in reference to that Old Testament story. And like his new pal Dylan and people like Nick Cave and the old blues artists he admires, he's really referencing this Old Testament imagery and drawing these really dramatic tales about the price of love. Samson was a mighty good man Strongest in his day Then along came I think it's a wonderful record from Jack White. And for a while there, I'd wondered if he could ever do anything as good as the White Stripes ever again. Well, I think he's done it with his uh, solo debut record. On the buy it, burn it, trash it scale, I'm going to give Blunderbuss a buy it all the way. I absolutely agree with you, Greg. I'm going to give it a buy it as well. But I, uh, I'm i hearing this record in a completely different way than you. All right. We both love this record, but we love it for different reasons. I think if there has been a through line through the twisting, curving career of Jack White, it has always been taking those dusty roots of classic rock and roll, folk, country, R&B, and most of all, the blues, putting them up in that garage punk funhouse mirror and somehow coming up with something that doesn't sound retro but sounds timeless and absolutely vital. So I don't see musical departures here. I hear another set of extraordinary killer anthems. Yes, in different styles, but all of them memorable songs. 
A lot of people are trying to parse the lyrics for meaning about the end of his marriage to the model and musician Karen Elson, about the end of his band The White Stripes. He told the New York Times in an extraordinary recent profile that it was really kind of inspired by the older brother who died unexpectedly, who was the guy who really introduced him to pop culture. You never know what Jack's really Mm. talking about. It's talking about pain in a lot of ways. He's angry, but it's almost in an amusing way. And in the end, it provides really powerful catharsis as well as just this great music. So in a very enthusiastic double buy it for Blunderbuss by Jack White. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have an in-studio visit from the singer-songwriter Sharon Van Etten. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Jason Saldana, and Annie Minoff with the executive production skills of Tori, Southside Malatia. We're trying to get him to see the Rock Doctors, but he's afraid of needles. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, my name is Brian. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. You're talking about second acts right now. People who came back from the dead to revive their careers like Johnny Cash, Marvin Gaye. Surprised you never mentioned Jerry Garcia. Went through a diabetic coma in 86. Came back and emerged on one of the great tours, the Grateful Dead. Sold out concerts as well as the Jerry Garcia Band doing incredible renditions of Let's Spend the Night Together by the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue, Simple Twist of Fate, wonderful renditions of Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence Won't you come out to play Why you don't mention them? Thanks. My name is Tom. I'm Twin Cities in Minnesota. I'm calling about your last show, Comeback Kids, and one of the greatest comebacks. Uh, I vote for Tony Bennett. He was famous once upon a time. He was pretty much killed in the 1960s by the rock invasion, mostly by the Beatles and other British invasion groups. By the 70s, he was dead in the water. He had no contracts, had a drug problem. He was being investigated by the IRS. His uh, son, Danny, took over his career in the 80s, realized that his father could be exposed to a younger, hipper generation, started booking him on late-night talk shows and uh, alternative rock stations and concerts and benefits. And finally, he uh, appeared in 1994, did an MTV Unplugged, and the album from that ended up going platinum, and his career has never stopped since then. So I vote for Tony Bennett. Thanks, guys. So open your arms and you'll open the door To every treasure that I'm hoping for Hold me and kiss me And tell me you're mine evermore Must I forever be a beggar Whose golden dreams will not come true Or will I go from rags to riches My fate is up to you
Hey guys, it's Bruce Melly calling from Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada. Just finished listening to the uh, podcast with the uh, you guys are talking about comebacks, second acts, and there's a scene in Twenty Four Hour Party People where Steve Coogan, his Joy Division is done. Ian Curtis has died. His wife has left him, and, and he's just dropped her off at the train station or the airport or whatever. He's driving away, and the comment is. I think it was Scott Fitzgerald who said, American lives don't have second acts. Well, this is Manchester. We do things differently here. Big pause. This is the second act. Fantastic, and it just leads into what then will be the rest of the film, talking about the Happy Mondays and Sean Riders. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Hey guys, my name is Jimmy from Raleigh, North Carolina. I was just listening to the great Second Act show, and I just wanted to point out that Cher's second act that you talked about was actually her third act. Who can forget the late 80s period of her prancing around on a battleship with revealing pants on, singing, If I could turn back time. Anyway, thanks. Great show. Keep it up. I didn't really mean to hurt you. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.